Hello and welcome to One Name at a Time. My name is Ben and I'm joined as always by Pez. Hey there. One Name at a Time is the podcast where Pez and myself make Dream 11s based on a new theme every week. And um, this week we're going with something a little bit different. So you may have, if you've not been living under a rock for this past week, heard of the European Super League. Uh, this was a proposition made by um, some of Europe's biggest clubs to start a new European competition where, you know, Europe's elite uh, would not have to qualify year in, year out. This included the so-called big six um, of the Premier League. Uh, so that's Arsenal, don't know how they got in there. Spurs, equally, not sure how they got in there. Uh, Manchester United, Man City, uh, Chelsea, and am I missing someone? Uh, no, no, you're not missing Liverpool. No, it's fine. Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> that was not deliberate, <laughs> I assure you. Um, yeah. <laughs> this sparks basically widespread criticism from essentially everyone in the football world, especially fans, but players, managers, pundits alike, all thoroughly opposed to this idea, including FIFA, who stated that um, any players playing for ESL team would not be eligible to play in international competition. So that would be obviously the World Cup or the Euros. With the Euros coming up, we thought it would be interesting to put together an England team that didn't feature any ESL players. So um, no players from Arsenal, Liverpool, remember them this time, Man City, Man United, Chelsea or Spurs. All um, players who were on loan from those clubs. Yes. Just yes, to throw so, in there, because I've seen a couple of other people have this similar idea, and they put in Jesse Lingard, it's like, no, no, what are you doing? <laughs> so, we will have some slightly different rules this week. So, like Pez said, no loan players. You know, Jesse Lingard is essentially still a Manchester United player, so he can't figure here. Instead, We will have a 4-4-2, like we always do, but instead of having um, a four-man subs bench, we'll actually do a second 11 to kind of match up with the idea of having a squad for a tournament. We're also focusing a lot more on this season, so a lot more on form. Usually, we look at a player's entire career, and I'm sure we'll take that into account, you know, when selecting these players. But form, obviously, is a lot more appropriate this week than it usually would be. We wouldn't usually just look at this season's form, would we? We'd usually look at it. Uh, <laughs> Unless it's Eric Laporte. <laughs> Shut up. Um, were there any slightly different rules as well? Oh, yes. Um... Again, we're sticking to the fact that um, they have to have played in the Premier League at some point. So, unfortunately, much to my annoyance, we can't have Jadon Sancho or Jude Bellingham. I mean, I probably wouldn't have had him anyway. But um, those players have never played in the Premier League, so they are not eligible for this team. And we're also doing the fact that the, the ESL wasn't just English teams as well. So, um, Kieran Trippier at Atletico Madrid and Curveball Ashley Young at Inter Milan, both <laughs> part of ESL team, so wouldn't be in consideration either way. So, um, completely Premier League, completely English, completely non-Big Six or any foreign teams who seem to think that that product's actually going to go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that uh, us at One Name at a Time, we're pretty, we were pretty opposed to um, the ESL as a concept. Uh, taking competition out of football seems like a very strange thing to do. Did, did you think there was any any positives to it? Were you buying into this idea that it would be great to see, you know, United play Real Madrid and Barcelona sort of week in, week out? Not not even slightly, to be fair. Like, the, the only thing I've really like appreciated from the whole thing is the memes and how <laughs> much like Florentino Perez is just like, yeah, made everyone just laugh at him for the past week <laughs> and anytime he comes out and says anything it's just gold isn't it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you've never seen anybody who's been like so central to one of you know 
Europe's top football clubs just have no connection to the actual sport. Like, yeah. you've never seen anything like it before. Um, yeah, and it, it just seems so weird how, like, some of the clubs in there, like, a, like, half, like half of their identity is, into, like, integrated into the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Like, Man City's big target since they were brought out, like, what, 10 years ago, was we want to win the Champions League. Mm. And now they've actually got like possibly their best chance of winning it. They go, now nah, we don't even want to play in it now. What? Real Madrid? Oh, we've won, I don't know, how many is it now? 12 of them? Yeah. The European Cup? Just like, oh, that's not, like, we're the best team in Europe because we've won that. Oh, we don't want to win it anymore. Mm. Well, yeah. you know, and you look at, you look at, um, you know, Liverpool are a similar thing where that's their sort of pride, having won the, the Champions League so many times. And for Manchester United, us as Man United fans, you know, we were the first. English club to go into the Champions League or uh, the European Cup as it was back then I mean that was sort of Matt Busby's pioneering moment really if you think about it so yeah, a lot a lot of British clubs didn't want to get involved in it did they? yeah yeah, yeah they yeah. were told not to weren't they and um, yeah. Busby sort of went against that so it just goes to show and I, I think especially as Man United fans more perhaps more so than the other clubs I, I'm not sure I, obviously I'm not as familiar with their sort of current sort of situation as as I am with United's, but it just goes to show that our owners really don't have any connect, any understanding of the fans, of the club, of the history, because although I think they expected backlash, I don't think they expected it to be as wide as it is. Um, I don't think know, they expected it from like managers and players. I think yeah, they would have been yeah. fine with fans being against it because, I mean, we've seen the past year, fans aren't really that important yeah, to the keeping the stuff and, going. And the Blazers have never cared about what the fans think, <laughs> um, let's be honest. But it did seem, you know, and, and not knocking our brothers from uh, across the sea, but it did seem like quite an American thing. Like, American sport functions very differently to sport over here, especially to the Premier League. And it did seem like this kind of like franchise football kind of thing that doesn't really sit well with people who've been watching, you know, the Premier League all their lives, or, you know, not just the Premier League, you know, English, British football, and um, that's all built on this kind of pyramid of, you know, you can get relegated, you know, if you perform poorly on the pitch, you know, you're, it's just, no matter how, what your history is, you're the same as any other team if you perform poorly on the pitch. We've seen it with, you know, the likes of Leeds, the likes of Forest, you know, Villa, you know, mm-hmm. big clubs over the years, have been relegated and have gone down the divisions um, and in the same way smaller clubs have risen up you know the likes of Burnley um, Wigan have risen Man up Man City <laughs> Man City yeah have risen up through their hard work and their grit and determination not you Man City um, <laughs> and, and you know and have, have competed with the likes of Manchester United the likes of Liverpool you know these clubs are great history they've competed on, on a level playing field so or as much as a living playing field as you can get, you know. Burnley can still beat Liverpool or can still beat Manchester United. So, yeah, it seemed like absolute madness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think the whoever was in charge of that PR needs to as well look at themselves seriously because I don't think they announced it in any way the right way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, safe to say that we're not for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that the sort of fans have and the players and the whole sort of football community bar the owners really have stood up against it and hopefully stopped it and you know I, I think you know from especially from a Man United point of view it doesn't stop there you know we've got to you know we've got to do what we can even us lot you know you in, in Durham and, and me in, in, <laughs> in Exeter do what we can to sort of try and get a bit of power back from the owners because 
you know, they don't know they don't they don't have any connection to the fans to the club really do they and you know I've been saying it for years that the Glazers are the problem with Man United not necessarily individual individual managers or individual players um, I think that's really just been sort of shown by this latest this latest mad <laughs> occurrence <Yeah. laughs> just to go back on the fact that you said it was like an American style franchise system like I know you're not a fan of it, but like I'm, I'm into NFL quite a bit, like American football, um, and it, it works there because that's how it's set up. Like, it, it's set up to be these franchises, to be this league, and they have like a draft every year of like the best college players because they don't have like divisions below. They have like mm. the college players, and once they finish their university things and, and declare for the draft, the worst teams in the league get the pick of the best players coming through from universities. You don't have anything like that here. Like, if you're playing football at uni, it's because you didn't actually make it as a proper player. Like, you don't have that entry type thing. You have to be at a club from you about eight, nine, ten onwards and work your way up through the youth teams. And then, yeah, you you, you might not make it to a team, so you drop down a, a level because you're not good enough. For it. It, it, it's a completely different system, and it just doesn't work when you don't have that competition. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is you can't just take the finished product off the top and make this thing. You know, yeah. you'd have to remodel the entire structure, which is probably impossible to do. Yeah, um, it'd be like putting second... American, like bringing in promotion and relegation for American yeah. football. There is no second tier. Like, where would they go to? Like, whereas here, you've got, I don't know, what we've got 14 different tiers of leagues and they branch off into mm. different ones. And yeah, it, like, it, it's, it's such a big undertaking. Like, it just doesn't make sense to undermine that completely just for the sake of six clubs. And, and as well, just talking about the idea of playing. Barcelona and, and Real Madrid sort of regularly for me that actually takes a bit out of those fixtures because mm -hmm. when you play Barcelona or you play Real Madrid in the Champions League it's exciting because you've earned the right to compete with the top clubs in Europe and you know and it, and it doesn't happen on a weekly basis that's what yeah, makes it special exactly. <laughs> and also you know that Real Madrid aren't there just because of their name they're there because they have the best players you know it is that excitement of we're going up against the best in Europe here and I think you lose that. You know, I made the comparison when we were talking the other day of a bit like the preseason games. It never feels the same, does it? Um, so, yeah, you know, fair to say both of us were, were, were very opposed to it. And um, we're glad to see that. I mean, I, I, with the Glazers being how they are, I wouldn't call it dead in the water yet. But um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, the fans have shown that they can make an impact on, on this type of decision. And um yeah, it was a mad sort of twenty-four to forty-eight hours, really, wasn't it? Was it was it three days, seventy-two hours? Yeah, it might just have just about gone into three days. <laughs> it wasn't even as long as a test match. <laughs> anyway, now that's out of the way, in in we get to the business of our of our what are we calling it a non-ESL eleven. Um, I've I've gone for a little bit of a alliteration, so I've called it like San Super Six. Um, I like it. <laughs> you, so, you know we like alliteration here at one at a time. So. I just, uh, it, will, it will matter if I can. It will matter if I can say that. Sand Super Six. Um, who have you gone for as our our goalkeeper? Uh, fortunately, at least in the current England team, most of the decent goalkeepers don't play in for the big six teams. So we had, we had a fair a fair um, a fair whack of, of options here for me. Like it, it's pr basically everyone who's in consideration for the England number one spot now there's no one really missing so for me the guy I think has to be England number one 
for the Euros anyway, even if we didn't have to do this hypothetical situation, uh, would yep. be Nick, Nick Pope yep. um, at Burnley. Um, 29 years old. He's only got seven caps. He's been behind someone else who you'll probably mention in a second with the, the other options. Um, but I, I think he's kind of, at least this season and last, has really shown that he's a lot more competent, a lot more level-headed, arguably a better shot stopper. And uh, yeah, playing playing for a Burnley team where defences might, yeah, not necessarily their strong point, does extremely well. It, in I mean, this this isn't including the game that has just happened because we're recording this on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Um, but he he kept a clean sheet there as well, by the way. Uh, Twenty nine appearances this this season, nine clean sheets, up there with with I think he's maybe in the top three or so clean sheets this season being kept for goalkeepers. Yeah, it, for me, he it, it just. He's above the other, well, more capped option, uh, just because he's he's really shown that he's more capable in the past two years. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the sort of clean sheet stats. He's often there or thereabouts. I think last season he was competing with um, Allison at Liverpool for the Golden yes, Gloves, yeah, which which is amazing, really. Um, yeah, he's who I've gone for as well. Um, you know, we often say it with with keepers, don't we? Dependable, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether he's necessarily as flashy as other options, but he seems to have a good command of his area. He seems to... I, I can't really remember too many mistakes from him. He's always someone that, when, I, when, when I'm doing my fantasy team, I yeah. often look to him because I know that he will, one, make a number of saves and also make a number and keep a number of clean sheets as well. Um, he has made over 30 appearances for Burnley this season. He's there in dispute, number one. He's beaten off competition from a number of players over the years, including you know, the likes of Tom Heaton. He's a very good goalkeeper. Yeah. Joe Hart. <laughs> Joe Hart, yeah. You know, pretty much every England, England, England <laughs> Um Yeah, he, he, he's been there or thereabouts. For, I know he had a bad injury, I think, after his breakthrough season, but he, he's been there or thereabouts uh, and so consistent for, for such a long time now. Over 200 appearances in his career. He's been in a PFA Team of the Year. He's won the Burnley Player of the Year twice and also uh, Burnley Player Player of the Year twice. Yeah, he he for me he's for me is England's current number one. So it was it was pretty obvious uh, to put him in. Um, the one you're referring to is obviously Jordan Pickford, who I have gone for as my backup option, um, mainly because of his um experience. You know, thirty caps for England, easily the most capped goalkeeper I think currently. See, I think he's pretty much Everton's number one still, though he's had a very shaky season this season, which is kind of why I, I go for Pope instead. Again, he's almost like the antithesis of that, isn't he? He is flashy. He can have games where he makes incredible saves. You know, we, we all remember the World Cup um, yeah. where he was one of England's best standout players, really. But he does have a mistake in him. He can also assault Dutch centre-backs who play for rival clubs. Over 300 appearances in his career. Uh, he's won a couple of Everton sort of Player of the Year awards. But, you know, I still think he's a good goalkeeper. And I think... For me, probably he just edges out someone like Sam Johnston, who was kind of my third goalkeeper on the list, who is uncapped, um, but currently a West West Bromway's there, number one. Mainly played in the championship, but I've always liked Sam Johnston. He was a, a Man United Academy product. And he was one probably I felt could have maybe, if it hadn't been for De Gea, could have maybe come in and figured in the goalkeeping situation at United. But he's obviously gone off to the championship and now in the Premier League and he's, he's doing very well. Wouldn't be surprised if he's in contention for the squad in the summer, but um, yeah, for me, Pickford just edged him out probably probably on experience more than current form. Yeah, yeah. 
did you have any other any other names you wanted to mention? Uh, I've got a couple to be fair. I mean, yeah, we, we are talking about the Premier League, so there's there's a good selection of English goalkeepers. I mean, you mentioned Tom Heaton. Um, obviously, he isn't really involved much anymore, but I still think he, at least when he was in his, his prime, he, he has had injuries since. But he was he was definitely up there with with like the better few English goalkeepers, yeah. wasn't he? About maybe four four years ago or so. Um, so I just want to give him his dues because probably doesn't have as many caps as he should have done. Alex McCarthy at Southampton. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's conceded nine goals in two matches this, this year, but um, still a, a very consistent goalkeeper otherwise. Um, and Aaron Ramsdale is probably the, the other one who really stands out as being, having a potential long future career. Um, he's obviously very young, started off with, with Bournemouth. Is at, um well, yeah, he's at relegation likelihood. Um, Sheffield United, isn't he now? So um, whether he stays in the Premier League next season is, is to be seen. But I, I kind of like him, so uh, I'd like to see him come back if uh, you know if if, uh, if they do go down, which I'm, I think they probably will. <laughs> so. Uh, into right back, which, as we know, is is always your favourite position. English right backs lately were, were pretty good for uh, <laughs> for depth. So, have you have you got a few options here from outside the the big six? I mean, I think I'm cursed when it comes to right back because <laughs> the one week I get where there's loads of options, so many of them are taken away because so many of them play for the the so-called big, big six. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you think of Wambasaka, Alexander Arnold, Walker. You know, Trippier, you mentioned, who obviously doesn't play for the big six, but played for Athletic in Madrid. Um, um, Reece James. Reece James, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's probably your first five options. Um, <laughs> thankfully, there are quite a lot of um, good English right-backs at the moment. And there were a few options who I could have gone for here, like a couple that I would have been happy going for. Um, I've ended up going for one who's done me quite well uh, before getting an injury recently um, with my fantasy team this year. Um, and that's James Justin, uh, Leicester City right-back. Come up from summer site. Was he a summer signing this season or the season before? Correct. He basically came up to Leicester from um, Luton in in the Championship. He he was a, a regular for Leicester this season as, as they sort of challenged for the top four. But then he, he I think he had an injury a little while ago. I don't think he's come back from that yet. Over 150 appearances in his career. Uh, still young, but a, a, quite a talented fullback. I think quite good going forward. I mean Leicester. You know we've said it before on this um, on this podcast. Really, if if you know, the big six did get kicked out of the Premier League. I'd probably put my money on Leicester winning the league because um, I really like them. I think they're a really, really good team with a lot of really good players. And I think Justin was a big part of them sort of challenging for the top four before his injury. So, yeah, he he's edged out a few other options. But like I said, I'll completely understand if you've gone for someone else because there have been quite a few players who I would say are at a similar level, like young players coming through. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did go for Justin actually in the end. It was it, it was tricky, um, but I thought Justin, out of all the other options, is maybe not necessarily played the most, but he has played a lot more than than some of the others um, this season. Um, I, I mean, we've mentioned other Leicester fullbacks in, in other episodes, like Ricardo Pereira, uh, Timothy Castagna. We've had a bit of, of trouble looking back to them and saying, are they a right back or a left back? Yeah, uh, and James and like James Justin is in that sort of contention as well because he can, he can play on both sides. I'm pretty sure all three of them have all switched around at some point, but I'm pretty sure that Justin sort of solidified himself at the right back position, and then Pereira came back and was more on the left. And 
like Justin pushed out probably one of the better fullbacks in the league yeah. to be in this position. So he's done that and has really, like you said, has been a very consistent part of a, a very good Leicester team. So I had to go for him. Um, I've got stats down that he's played 23 times in the Premier League this season. He scored twice as well, which is, is helpful to have a, a fullback who can find the net. Um, which uh, some of the others haven't. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the 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 closest one, I guess, other than that, for me, just on a personal preference, is Kyle Walker Peters. Maybe not necessarily the best going forward. Um, is a little bit erratic, I guess. But I always kind of like him, and he's he's also played twenty three times for, for Southampton this year. Twenty four years old. So yeah, that that was hit like my my second choice there. But I could have gone for Tarek Lamptey, who. Yep. Obviously, he hasn't played a huge amount for, for Brighton this season. I think he's only got about 11 appearances for them. But when he has played, it's looked pretty damn good. Um, yeah. I think he came, did he come through Chelsea's youth system yes, before yeah. moving there. So, I mean, if, if you're missing out on progressing through Chelsea's system because of Reese James, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, if he's, he's been at Brighton. He's, he's looked very consistent, very solid. He's only 20 as well. So that's um, that's a, a good sign that he's, he's to, to, to look that composed the Premier League at that age um, is a good a good sign for, for a future career. Um, I guess the other ones are maybe Matty Cash and Lowton from, from Burnley, but like I say, Burnley aren't great defensively, so Lowton, he probably is one of the more consistent players for, for Burnley, but it, it's difficult to sort of argue their case, Where, whereas Pope you can argue their case because defensively they're not great, but that helps him stand out. If it's a, a defender and you're not great defensively that's not a great showing if you know what I mean um, whereas Cash for Villa I'm, I've not seen enough of him um, there are other Villa defenders that I'm, I'm certain both of us are going to talk about in a minute but um, yeah. yeah Cash for me is kind of maybe not necessarily the weak point of that Villa defence but he doesn't stand out to me whereas Justin definitely stands out at Leicester Lamptey stands out at Brighton Walker Peters does for a little bit at Southampton so that those were what the reason why those three were above Cash but he's also definitely in consideration here Yeah I think for me it would have been one of Cash or Walker Peters as, as a sort of backup to Justin Walker Peters is a bit more experienced at, at Premier League level he's yeah. been around for a couple of seasons now I have been impressed with him Matty Cash, I haven't like you. I haven't seen a lot, but Villa have really impressed me this year. So, and actually, I mean, even before he signed last year, I thought Villa were impressive. So, he was in in there or thereabouts. I think Lamptey, it's maybe a bit too soon, um, and Lowton, it's almost maybe a bit too late. He's a bit one of the older options, mm. um, and I think in this instance, I would probably go for one of the younger players. You know, the like, you know, probably for me, it'd be between Justin Cash and um, and Walker Peters, but Justin for me just edges ahead of those. I mean, it's, it goes to show here how far down we are England's right back pecking order that yeah. literally everyone we spoke about it hasn't been capped at, at full level yet. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are what sort of we've named five right backs there, and I named five that we couldn't include. Yeah, That's and they're, they're full all starters 11. for their teams as well. Yeah. Like, apart from maybe Lamptey, who is in, in and out a bit because he's younger, but they're, they're all starters for their teams. Yeah. <laughs> so you could almost have a full 11 of English right backs yeah. like, in the Premier League. Um, I'm sure we could have a full 11 if we really dug and found another one. Um, uh, Luke Ayling, I don't know, is he is English? <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Um, so moving on then into our centre-backs, um, you've kind of mentioned already that there might be one or two Villa players sort of in, in these positions. Who did you end up going for? Uh, well, the obvious one for me is a Villa player. I, th- I think he's probably the most, uh, maybe not necessarily the most obvious one, but he is for me, um, yep. and that's Tyro Mings. 
Yeah, uh, it's been fantastic at Villa. Like like you said with Justin, your dream team. I've had Mings in my dream team most of the season. Um, he's, he's just been that sort of level of player. Like he, he'll get a clean sheet. If not, he's probably gone and done something attacking, or he's getting bonus points. Like he's 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 definitely been up there. I think he's gone a step up um, at Villa since moving on from from Bournemouth as well. Like he, he really has sort of settled himself in a Villa team, which is, I mean, currently they're a little bit. You know, mid table because they've got a few games in hand. But if they win those games in hand, they're like top six sort of consideration, um, which isn't bad at all. Um, he's only got eight caps, which I thought might have been more. But yeah, uh, centre back is quite a, a pretty decent depth for England as well lately. If um, we do consider those other teams, 29 appearances for him this season in the Premier League. He scored twice as well. Like I say, a bit of a goal threat again. Um, yeah, he, he was the most obvious one for me. I think he's most composed and strong, good in the air. Timing of tackles is is almost second to, I would say not just necessarily second to non. Wan Bissaka was probably better than him, but, but um, yeah, he, he's definitely up there for me. Alongside him was a little bit trickier. I think the two that are probably best for him are, are both Everton players. I think. Okay, interesting. Um, the one I did go for was Michael Keane. It's, it's yep, probably a, a, an experienced thing. Got 12 caps, scored once for England. He played 30 times for Everton this season. Um, was part of a, a weird trial system of like a back three for England for a little while, which it, it sort of seemed to actually like find its home in that. It, it was it, a system that just worked. I'm not saying we're going to play a back three here. We have to stick to a 4 4 2 because that's yeah. the rules. Um, but yeah, for, for experience wise, 28 years old, same as Mings. He's uh, been at Everton for a good while. Started off with, with other clubs. He, you know, he's. <laughs> like, Started off with other clubs. You mean Man yeah. United? Yes. Try not to link into any bias here. That's all. Um, I, I just think he's, he's probably been the most consistent at probably one of the the higher teams that we've got an option here. So um, yeah, that's that was that was who I went with to, to go alongside Mings. But yeah, depth is is very good here. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think Mings, like you said, was kind of the obvious one, almost because. Before John Stone's recent resurgence, you'd have probably looked at Maguire and Mings as being England's first-choice centre-back partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for me, I like the fact as well. He's he's a, I think he's a left footer, isn't he? So he he sits quite comfortably in there alongside you know someone like Michael Keane. Um, he got a nice balance there. Um, Keane, you know, I was really disappointed that he didn't get a chance at United under Van Hal. Yeah. Um, other players did, who for me weren't as talented as he was. But, you know, to be fair to him, he's, he's gone away. He went to, you know, Burnley and got promotion to the Premier League with them and, you know, established himself there and then earned a big move to, yeah, a big move to Everton, um, where he's, I think he's generally done done pretty well. My two backups are actually, I've gone for a Villa player and, a, and an Everton player as well. Um, so <laughs> I've gone for, as my backups, sort of younger options, but I've gone for Esri Konza, who is... um. He's been sort of Tyrone Ming's centre-back partnership for most of this season. 20-odd appearances in, in the league uh, for Villa. You know, pretty pretty, pretty much uh, sort of their most weeks, if not all weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben Godfrey was the other one I went for, who is yeah. often played alongside Keane. Um, I think they often play a back three at Everton, don't they? Because they've got Holgate in there as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's he's been I've been impressed with him. He was someone who I know Rio Ferdinand rated really highly when he was at Norwich. Mm. He got that move. He obviously got to the Premier League with Norwich last season. They got relegated, but he did enough. And weirdly, they weren't great defensively, but he obviously did enough to stand out and get the move to Everton. And he's really gone from strength to strength for me. I think I've been really impressed by him. Um, 
And I, I like to look at that because we've got Keane and Mings who, like you said, are, are more experienced options. And then you've got kind of Consor and Godfrey as as perhaps more of the future of that position. Um, so I think that works quite well. You know, I, I don't think we're miss, you know, obviously Maguire, I think, is a big miss and Stones has been in great form recently. But I don't think it's a, not like right back. I don't think you're bemoaning the loss of the ESL uh, players as much. No, no, most, mostly because <laughs> most of the players here have actually got caps, haven't they? So they've at least been in the sort of England consideration beforehand. Yeah, God- Godfrey was the other the one that I was mentioning there. He's, he's really impressed me um, since moving to Everton. Can't say I was impressed when he was at Norwich, but I, other than maybe Timu Puki for the first half of the season, I don't think anyone really impressed me in Norwich last season. Um, but yeah, God- Godfrey's been yeah pre- pretty good for, for that Everton. Like you say, Holgate as well could, could be in consideration here. Yeah, uh, Konza has been very good with Mings. I, I think I'd, uh, I mean, maybe it's just on, on sort of experience, but I'd, I'd maybe consider Tarkovsky in, instead of Konza. But again, that's, that's you know, he's played a couple of times for England. He's 28, he's got a bit more experience to him. He's been tipped for, to move into to teams bigger than Burnley for a good few years now, hasn't he? But um, has, has seemed to stay there. So, yeah, he was, he was maybe the... The other one I'd, I'd say was was closest to being not starter, but in, in this squad, let's say, um, over players like Lewis Dunk, who has a cap. Connor Cody's got four caps. Wolves haven't really impressed me this season, um, at least compared to last year. Um, and yeah, Brighton. Uh, uh, I mean, they could still get relegated yet. I think they're still still down there. Um, I just want to throw in one who has been a little bit of a fantasy gem for me as well this season, which, which isn't Tyrone Mings. It's um, Tosin Adwibayo at Fulham. Yeah. Um, fortunately, moved permanently to Fulham for Man City rather than alone. So we, I can talk about him here. But 23 years old, has looked very impressive. Seems to be quite a handful of a, of a defender. Um, Fulham haven't been particularly great. Again, I think it's one of those ones that they're likely to go down. But if someone wants to pick up Adwibayo and you know, bring him back into the Premier League for next season. Completely understand that. Like, of, of all the, the players in that Fulham team, and Fulham he, he has been, been a good standout for them. Fulham have been actually pretty resilient defensively since the turn of the year. Yes. They don't they don't get sort of, well, often they don't get sort of four nils or whatever. It's usually sort of been one nil or two one or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they, I've been impressed with them defensively So um, since, since the turn of the year. So, yeah, he's one that I, I think keep an eye on, definitely. Um, I'd be surprised if someone didn't move for him in the summer, um, if they do go down. Um, the only other name I had that you haven't mentioned is Ben White. Um, Remember you sort of mentioned Lewis Dunk at, um, at Brighton and how Brighton are sort of struggling against relegation. They're an odd team, Brighton, because they're a very good team, but they just haven't had the results. Um, yes, yeah. They play pretty good football. They create a lot of chances, but they just don't seem to have anyone who can stick the ball in the back of the net. Um, and maybe don't have a resilient enough defence to sort of shut people out week in, week out. And that's kind of why Ben White doesn't get him for me. But I think he's a promising defender, helped Leeds get promoted last year and was, was sort of earning high praises, has come into Brian this year and played pretty much every week. So, yeah, I think there's there's quite a few names to watch. I did go for Konza over the likes of Cody and Tarkovsky, despite the lack of experience. I just think Villa have been really impressive this year, especially, again, defensively, like Fulham. Very good defensively, Villa, and he's been a big part of that. You know, him and Mings have had a really good, good partnership. So maybe that was part of it. I was sort of thinking, if if I didn't have Keane, maybe I'd, I'd rebuild the Villa partnership of um, Konza and Konza and Mings. And if you didn't have Mings, you could put Godfrey next to Keane. So that was yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fair. Good balance. 
Yeah. So uh, left back is that um, is that as good depth wise, or have we got anyone who plays with anyone else that we've mentioned <laughs> to um, work well? Well, I, we could have gone for a full Villa back four. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I haven't, obviously, already. Um, we are missing a, a, a couple of players here, but the one that I've put in, I think is almost a bit unlucky, and maybe it's his age, but he's almost a bit unlucky to not be more in the question, and that's Aaron Creswell. Mm. Um, three caps for England, so he has played for England. Regular for West Ham, who obviously had a bad result uh, was it yesterday, but are up there near the top four, you know, yeah. which is amazing, really. Um, David Moyes doing a brilliant job there. And Creswell's been a big part of West Ham's team for seemingly, well, I don't know, five, six years. I mean, I've always thought he's been one of their best players. He's good defensively, but he brings something going forward. He's got great delivery. He's pretty good from set pieces. Yeah, he's a, a player that I think is a little bit underrated. Um, so without the likes of Shaw and Chilwell ahead of him here, I felt he deserved a spot in the team. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that's a massive... Uh, a massively, uh, you know, I don't think he massively weakens the team there. I don't know. He's always been someone I've quite rated. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've always liked Aaron Cresswell. I think there's a bit of a trend with this team is that there's a lot of players that we've kind of rely, relied on for fantasy over yeah. the past few years. And Cresswell was always one that was all, all, like I'd always put him in, uh, especially at that time where he was like West Ham's free kick taker. Yeah, he, he was pretty consistent with them. Yeah, at, at 31 years old is like I think maybe be the oldest person we've, we've mentioned so far. Um, yeah, I mean, only three caps. I'm trying to think who was really, like, England's left back for... Ashley yeah, Young. Ashley Young, yeah. Leighton Baines, maybe. Probably a fair bit of crossover. But yeah, it's, it's, it's seemed, it seems to lower mount, considering, like, Connor Cody's got four caps. Um, I think Cresswell's definitely been a lot more consistent in the Premier League for a lot longer. But, um, yeah, there's always always competition for, for England starting places, so... Fair enough. Um, the other one who was closest for me, probably my my backup here, is another thirty-one-year-old, which <laughs> it seems seems a bit weird considering we've we've tried to like get a bit of experience and youth in here. Um, but it's it's Ryan Bertrand, uh, nineteen caps for him, so he, he must have been playing a, a fair bit back in the day. Twenty-nine appearances for Southampton this year. Again, Southampton probably probably lower in the table than they should be. Really, like that. Just what like one bit, bit like Brighton, I guess. I want the teams that just they just play really nice football, but they just don't seem to get the results sometimes. And when they do get thrashed, they get thrashed. Mm. Um, but yeah, Bertrand's always been a, a consistent player that I've, I've liked, and yeah, I, I, th- I think he's probably the uh, again experience is is a, is a good word just to to put behind Cresswell. Um, I, I, either way, if either of these started, I wouldn't be too upset, you know. But I think Cresswell is probably due more of a, a chance than, than Bertrand is but um, yeah th- those were the, the two that I really had here but like you said could have been a Villa back three if you wanted it to, uh, back four if you wanted it to be yeah I mean I, I, I was kind of I wasn't sure who to go with between uh, Ron Bertrand and, and Matt Target at Villa mm-hmm. as as a sort of backup to Creswell Target I think is what I've probably been a bit more aware of their current form um, yeah. like I said Villa have been very impressive whereas Southampton have you know you, know, you I like Hassan Hüttel and what he's doing there, but they haven't quite managed to find that consistency yet. But yeah, like you said, I, I, if Bertrand was in this team, I wouldn't be disappointed. An experienced Premier League player who's played at the very top. So either any of those three, really, I would be pretty happy with. But Creswell, for me, like you said, I think I think he just he he almost deserves the nod for how just how consistent he's been, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, so um, moving into the central midfield, who have you gone for as your partnership here? Again, this is another position where there's probably quite a few names, maybe, who who you could have considered, but you can't because of, of the Super League. Yeah, weirdly, like, the, like the, the players I've got here are all sort of in and around the England squad. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, they, 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 they've all been capped. They all seem to get call-ups every time there's a, a qualifier or whatever, but... They're, they're always like the backups. They're never really the, the starters. Um, there, there are other players who are in this team who could be considered for central roles, but I've put them on the right and left because... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, at least I've put one on oh, okay. the wider positions. Um, so, yeah, like, they're, they're a bit more attacking. Like they, They've got a bit more flair to them. So I thought, okay... Our wide positions are definitely affected by the rules that we've put on ourselves here. So the, these are the more talented players to put on the wide position. So my central partnership, and I'll admit I'm, I'm missing out someone here who could definitely be a starter for England. He probably actually has more caps than anyone else I've got in the centre here. But I don't know, it's, it's just a player that I've, I, I just don't have the soft spot for him that other people do. Um, so I've not put him in, but if you have, then that, that that's perfectly fine. Like he's definitely going to be in the squad for me. But for me, there, there's two others who I enjoy watching play a lot more than him. So the one who probably takes this player that I'm referring to's place is, is James Ward-Prowse. Mm-hmm. Probably more the, the sort of defensive option here. I'm not saying he is like a defensive midfielder, but he, he's happier to sit back than than the other one. Um, 26 years old, six caps for him, scored once for England. This season, he's got 31 appearances for Southampton in the league and scored seven times. Most of those, I'm pretty sure, from free kicks. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, England have to have a free kick expert, right? Like, yeah. there's, there's always one. So, yeah, like, he kind of... I mean, I can understand if you haven't put him in for for this other one, but for me, like, James Ward-Proud is seriously underutilised at international level. Like, there's a, again, it's like that sort of... Oh, can can Gerard and Lampard play together? This is kind of like oh, can all these attacking midfielders that we've got playing together, and they're trying to fit too many of them into the team. Um, like yeah, fantastic talents like Foden and Rashford and Greenwood. And, like I'm trying to list players who I'm not going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> but, um, like just try, trying to find all these attacking players into this one team. And like, do you not want someone like to actually link them together a little bit, or to sit back yeah. and actually be happy to do that? And that's like how Ward Prize would work out so well to help gel an England team together. Like, I'd happily start him over other players who are from the big six. You know, like I, I really rate James Ward Price. So, for me, he, he had to go in here. But I can totally understand if you pick someone else over him because there, there are a, 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 another good option there. Um, so, the more attacking one I put ahead of him is someone who's only got one cap. Mm-hmm. Probably should be a lot more. But it's, yeah, Leicester's James Madison. Yep. We did mention him in our place name team and, yeah wax Liverpool about how talented he is and he's in that sort of group of, of attacking midfielders that you really have to try and find a place for in the England team seems to be the one that gets missed out but it's weirdly a lot of the time the one who's in the best form in the Premier League but you know Southgate has, has his preferences but um, yeah Madison was one that I, I just yeah 20, 24 appearances this season in the league 8 goals that's a hell of a return that's 1 in 3 like, that's better than probably some of the strikers we're going to talk about in a minute I like yeah I, I I can't understand how he gets 
overlooked again it's like what Pratt of understand how they get overlooked so much for England like this this is like a centre midfield partnership would be brilliant for me on my personal like how I like to watch football and what I enjoy seeing these two would like yeah that they, they play the way I like to see football played so that that's why I went with them so yeah that that that's my duo but totally understand if you've gone elsewhere <laughs> I've gone for one of them, but it's maybe surprisingly not the one you would have thought of. So I did have Ward Prowse in. I think potentially my central midfield partnership might be a bit defensive. Um, I did think about that. But for me, Ward Prowse is quite, you know, I'm a big fan of him as well. He's quite a versatile player. He can defend, but he can also create. He's a great passer of the ball, great technician. I think uh, Pep Guardiola referred to him as said he was the best free kick taker he's ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty high praise coming from Pep Guardiola. He's worked with, you know, Messi. (laughs) <laughs> among others <laughs> um, uh, you know whatever yeah I, I like board prowse you could maybe put him on the right he can do a job there for you as well but um i went for him in the middle i i put him alongside the player you're referring to which is Declan rice um yeah. at least i assume it is yes, 15, yeah. 15 caps for Declan rice been a big part of that west ham team who have done brilliantly this season um rumors of a, a of a move somewhere else for him I I I felt bad leaving out Madison because you know he's one I really wrecked. Um and I think the reason he maybe gets overlooked for England is because there are so many other players. You know, you mentioned Foden. There's another player I'm sure we'll mention in a bit who who kind of gets the nod ahead of him sometimes. You know, you know someone like Mason Mount as well who yeah. I'd probably put Madison in instead of Mount, but Mount's been very good recently. So, but for me. I don't know. I can see what you've done, and I'm probably happy to go with what you've done because you can have War Prowse as a sitter and Madison as a more advanced one. Whereas I've kind of got more of a defense. You know, maybe my lineup would be if you're going up against, you know, Brazil or you're going yeah. up against yeah. Argentina or, or Spain or France or whoever. Whereas if you were going up against, you know, a smaller team, you could potentially get away with Ward Prowse and Madison and, and dominate possession there. But Rice, yeah, I, I think he's a. I sort of had my doubts about him, um, but I think this season he's he's dispelled a lot of, if not all, of those doubts. Um, I don't think he's as good as some people rate him as, but I still think he's a, I still think he's probably the future of the holding position for England. The other player I had as sort of my fourth option um, was sort of the alternative, another holding player really, um, and that's Calvin Phillips at Leeds. Um, I don't think he should probably play as much for England as he does. He's actually got seven caps. Yeah. <laughs> he's got more caps than Madison and Ward Prowse. I'm not really sure why. Um, I know sometimes Southgate plays him and Rice on. I'm not really sure why. Um, but I do think Phillips is a good player. He works very well as a sort of pivot in midfield for a, a Leeds team that basically just overload the forward positions. Um, <laughs> so he does that job. So really that's well. why he works for England. We've got so many forward players. Yeah. That, like, he's used to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's someone, you know, he's a decent player. I think he's probably above the other names I could have put in as sort of the, as the first choice four in central midfield so he was sort of the, the other one I don't know if you you had anyone else that you felt should be sort of in consideration not massively like Phillips is one that I like I'm always embarrassed to say but I do actually quite like him like he's he, he does suit that lead team very well and has impressed there um I, I don't want to talk about Leeds players too much but like yeah, he, he, he is one that I go. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I can understand why he's in the England setup. Um, so yeah, he was he was kind of like the the fourth option here for me alongside Rice, who, to, like I said, totally understand if you've got him starting. Um, yeah, the, the sort of rumours that it's like, oh, he's going to be an eighty million pound signed in for United, or it's just like, 
is he worth that much? Like, I know I know most players aren't worth that much, but like, no, know, he's not. Like, yeah, it, it's it's, a, it's like a, a ludicrous amount for the type of player that he is, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I, I understand why people do rate him. Just personally, I, I prefer other players. Yeah, there wasn't really anyone else for like the central positions. I mean, in in my sort of mentions list where I haven't really listed any stats because I know they're not really in there. I've actually got like John Joe Shelby listed. So that's oh. how kind of far down I was looking oh, just to go. Who, who have we got? But <laughs> The only one I had who um, was sort of like a player who broke through with quite a lot of hype when he first broke through. It's been, been a bit quieter recently as Tom Davies at um, Everton. I think he's a decent little player, but um, uh, for me, the others are more established. I think yeah, Dave, Davis goes through spells, doesn't he? There's there's a lot of time where even like Everton fans are on his back, but then there's some some games where like put him up against Man City and he runs a show and it's like what? <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, depth wasn't really our our strength here as it was for like centre back, I guess. So um, that that was that was about it really for for our option. It's not a bad midfield, don't get me wrong. There's a, a no. good variety of player, but other than that, it's um, slim pickings. So. Uh, if you want to do our, our right side, or would you like to do yep. the, the, the wings as a, as a duo? I don't know how, how flexible right you now. are. Because <laughs> I feel like I've... My right-sided player is one who probably wouldn't play on the right side typically, but I'll, I'll do right side first. I think we've gone for the same player. I've gone for Jack Grealish, yes, uh, no. <laughs> who is the player I was alluding to potentially playing instead of Madison. Though he only has five caps. Basically runs the show for Villa, doesn't he? Um absolutely brilliant player I didn't get the hype of him at first when Villa were in the Premier League and he first broke through and there were all these talks of this guy is going to be the next big thing I didn't really get it I watched him he didn't seem to score many goals didn't seem to really create much you know he's kind of got that look about him that you're kind of like why has he got his socks around his ankles and you know the hair and all of that greasy isn't he as well as but actually (laughs) I think that season, sort of that spell outside of the Premier League and the Championship really helped him because since he came back at the you know last season, he's been absolutely brilliant. I've got that he's got 23 appearances, seven goals for Villa this season. So I think he has had a few injury problems, but over 200 appearances in his career, over 30 goals. He's won. I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't win Villa Player of the Year every year. How much they love him. Um, yeah, he's just one of those. He's a bit more indescribable I think than the likes of Madison or Mount or maybe even Foden with those players for me you can point a little bit to like where their strengths are you know Madison's a great sort of passer of the ball you know Foden's got that sort of you know very Guardiola-esque sort of touch and quick movement Um, Mount's a really sort of hard-working team player Grealish is just sort of he's almost Brazilian isn't he he's like great at running with the ball he's got great tricks he seems to just glide past players effortlessly. And this is one of the reasons why I felt you could move him out to the right wing. Whereas maybe yeah. Madison, I probably wouldn't do that with him. Grealish, I think, could work very well as a winger. Probably better from the left, but I think out on the right, he could do a job for England. I think he's someone, even with the ESL players, I'm going to be honest, I think Grealish has to be in your team. Uh, you've got a player of that style and that talent. I think you've got to put him in. Um was linked to Man United, I would have, I would absolutely bite your hand off for Jack Grealish. I, even with the attacking players that we've got, you know, versatile. Like I said, he just brings that X factor. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a player I liked and he had to be in here somewhere. I think he was almost one of the first ones I thought of and was like, he has to go in. Yeah, yeah, same. And we, we've done the same thing. I've, I've put him on the right as well. I think he's got that like 
like you say, that Brazilian thing. It's like maybe just like the, the extra maverick thing. I don't know whether he, maybe, maybe it's just how he plays, but it almost seems like he cares more than the others, like in, in that mold, like, you know, the, the Fodens and the Mounts and Madison. Like, I don't know, it just seems like he's got that extra bit of passion to him, which really helps um, his versatility, basically. Like, it doesn't matter where he'll play, he'll put his best in. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure he'd be happy to play on the right. He'd probably play in goal for us if, if, we, if yeah. we needed him. Like he, he's that kind of player. Um, yeah, like, like, I, like, I was like you. Like when he came to Premier League, Premier League the first time, I was just like, really? And then he went down to Championship again. I, th- I think I mean he doesn't look like he sort of bulked up, but he's really like gained strength, hasn't he? And like he's, mm. he looks so much more confident and strong on the ball than he used to. Um, not saying he doesn't go down easy when he needs to, but like he. he he will take people on. He'll, he'll happily, you know, go shoulder to shoulder with someone. And yeah, he he, he has got a, a lot more to him than than some of the others. Who I'm not saying he, he's necessarily better than them, but he's got an added level to what he can do and another layer to his game, which means he's probably more in contention for England because he can do other things. Like I don't think I'd put Madison on the right. I don't think Mount would just like do as, as good a job on, on a wide position than, than Grealish. Like it, 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 when, when you yeah. compare them, I think Grealish does have that little bit extra to him, which means he, he like, like you say, he has to be in this England team, regardless of whether we're including big six clubs or not. Like he, he, He's definitely in there for me. So, yeah, right side, not necessarily a strong point, but I, I'd still rather Jack Grealish on the right than the other players I really had who were like, I have an right side. So. Yeah, I mean... Uh, speaking about Grealish, just continue. He, I think he is, or he was last time I heard the stat, the most fouled player in the Premier League. And I don't yeah. think that's just because, you know, oh, he goes down so easily. Because there are plenty of players who I could say, I think probably go down easier than Jack Grealish. Um, I just think he's that skillful and that like, you know, almost that's another element to his game where you add him in your team and you know you're going to be getting those free kicks and maybe even penalties. That's um, why you need more pro start. Yeah. Relations <laughs> so those two together are almost a, a strange partnership. But um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a fantastic player. And yeah, I, I had to have him in there. Yeah. Uh, did you have anyone else who was like in consideration or at least a, a proper right sider? Probably the next one. I had a few honourable mentions who all seem to be names from the past more than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, so my kind of backup option was actually someone who's been playing more as a, well, has been playing as a striker recently for West Ham. And that's Mikel Antonio. Had, like I said, had played as a striker mainly this season for them. Um, I think he's got 22 appearances and seven goals. Um, but has played, I mean, he's played as a right back. He's played as a right winger, a right wing back. He can, you know, he's not a player you worry about defensively on that side. But for me, he's actually probably one of the ones who go, he's more of an orthodox right winger than anybody else we really had. Yeah. Um, and I've always, I've always liked, I know some people don't like it, but I like the raw, sort of the rawness of, of Antonio. I think he's got pace, he's got power, he's direct. And I think sometimes, especially when your other option's Jack Greenish, who's perhaps more intricate or, you know, more skilled. Sometimes if Jack Greenish isn't working out, what can you do? Well, pop on Mikel Antonio and just give him something completely different to worry about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was, he was someone who was, would probably be my second option on that right-hand side. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Antonio is again one that I've always like picked for fantasy teams. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it just seems to be a trend through this, does it? But yeah, Antonio is one that I've always really liked. Um, it, it's nice to see him when he when he is in form, because regardless of what position he is, he, he, he just seems to just take to it, doesn't he? And just do what he needs to do, and does it 
really well. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't been capped because he definitely did get a couple of call-ups for England about, what was it, maybe three or four years ago um, when he was in that proper proper sort of peak form when, and to be fair, he wasn't really playing as a striker, was he? He was playing out wide. But yeah, I didn't get capped for them. I think he has actually sort of declared himself eligible for Jamaica, um, yeah. but also hasn't got called up for them either. So It's not too late. It's not It's not too late, and it's not too late to get in our Euro squad if... Um, for some reason, FIFA do ban all these players. I, th- I think he's definitely a, a very good option here. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd happily put him in my squad here. Again, just for the, the versatility as well. Like, if, if we did want to put him up front, we could do. Yeah. If we, if we wanted to change formation and play like a, a, a five at the back, he'd happily go on the right wing back position there. Like, or even it, if you wanted maybe to go really go for a game and, and stick him at right back, yeah. you know, you could. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's definitely versatile, and I'd, I'd happily—I mean, I'd, I'd probably have happily put him in any England squad for the past five years, anyway. But I'm not the actual manager, but at least I get my chance to here. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely put Antonio in. Just yeah, as a squad player, I don't think he, he necessarily starts here, but the, the option of him is, is always good to have. Um, the other ones I had are sort of maybe not necessarily out and out right midfielders, but definitely out and out wide players that I've considered for the right. Um, Again, it's 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 one from you know old, older names. So um, Andros Townsend, yeah. um, Palace twenty nine now. Um, this is I don't know. It's, I think of him as being like twenty two or twenty three. It seems to have, like constantly be the same age. Um, Thirteen caps for him, three goals. Does have an eye for a screamer, but they are pretty rare. Twenty eight uh, appearances for Palace this year. Only scored once in the shadow of Zaha a little bit in that Palace team. But uh, you know when when he when he was going through like his, his little prime, there was like sort of the end of his, his Tottenham spell was, uh, yeah, he, he was quite impressive. And those 13 England caps were justly deserved. Like, he, he, he was in some really good form there. So it, it, it made sense. The other one I've got is someone who's got a lot more England caps, um, but is a, a fair bit older, and that's old Theo Walcott. As, um, <laughs> perpetually 16, Theo. Perpetually 16, yeah. It, weirdly, he's younger than Andros Townsend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, obviously on loan at Southampton now, sort of, yeah, in and around the team there, doing all right. I mean, he, he's just like, I, I, I don't want to say he's, he's like reliant, but it, he's just like consistently at the same level, isn't he, Theo Walcott? Yeah. And it, it's, it's just nice to have a player that's just like, you, you know what you're going to get from him. If he yeah. scores, it's not a surprise. If he has a shit game, it's not a surprise. And, but 47 caps for him, eight goals. I think he may even scored a, a hat-trick for England at, at some point. I can't remember who it was against, maybe like a qualifier or something, but that seems to ring a bell because, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm putting him into a 4-4-2 here, but the best player like position for, for Walcott is like on the right of a front three for me. Like, he's kind of a winger, isn't he, rather than a, a wide midfielder. But, um, yeah, like... It's, it's just nice to have a, a player who um, has had a good England career to, to talk about <laughs> compared to, to some of these other players. Yeah, did you have any other any other names at all? Uh, not specifically on the right. On the on the left, I've got a, a, a couple of others who uh, I can probably talk about a bit more. <laughs> well, who did you go for on your left-hand side then? I went with... I, I hope you sort of rate this guy as much as I do. but it's... I, I, I would be surprised if you didn't put this guy. It's another Leicester player. Yeah, it is another Leicester player. Yeah, Harvey Barnes. Yeah. Um, sort of come out of nowhere, really, for me. Um, it's a bit like James Justin. Like, I, I didn't realise that, that Justin was at Luton. Was it Luton you said he came from? Yeah. I, d- I didn't really follow that at all. I just thought he came through, like, yeah, Leicester's youth team. I didn't really know anything. But Harvey Barnes has sort of come out of nowhere and has been 
probably one of the best left siders in the league this year. I mean, like you say, Leicester are challenging for top four. You know, start start of the season, they looked like they could have been even higher than just the top four. Um, and, and Barnes, is, I mean, he, he did play a fair bit last season, don't get me wrong, but this year he's really sort of settled himself in that team and being part of, yeah, one of the sort of best attacking front sixes, I guess, in, in, in England. And that's really really impressive he has been capped once um actually not very recently i'll be honest uh 25 25 appearances this this year for for leicester in the league and nine goals um again it's, it's probably one that if we like, his better position is maybe like on the left of a front three or something like he's he's definitely got a, a, an attacking mind hasn't he so uh yeah it, it's difficult with some players to try and actually fit them into the formation that we we want to do for these teams but if we go in at 4 4 and you want a left sider then i don't think anyone is close to harvey barnes i mean there's there's another youngster who is definitely going to be in the squad for me um but i don't think he's going to be starting over barnes interesting um i well, yeah harvey barnes i'm a big fan of his um i know what you mean like he kind of came in and he was one of those where i didn't really know where he played at first mm. you know like what position he was um, but in, in total, you mentioned his league stats, but in total, he's got 13 goals and 35 appearances, which is really impressive. Um, I think he's had an injury recently, hasn't he, which is, has kept him out. But um, he's had he's one of those he's gone and done his. I think he was at West Brom in the championship. Um, I think he's been at MK Dons as well on loan. Um, he's, he's, he's worked, you know, he's gone away and done his work in the lower leagues. And that's clearly benefiting him now. He's doing well. And. I mean, it's, you know, nowadays when you talk about Leicester, you know, I'd say Harvey Barnes would be 100% someone, you know, the big six would be looking at. But Leicester outperforming most of the big six. So, <laughs> you know, why would you leave at the moment when you get to work with a manager like Brendan Rodgers and players, you know, like Vardy and Madison and Ndidi, Tielemans, you know, they've got a great team. So, yeah, he, he was someone that I almost forgot about for a minute and then was like, oh, no, no, he has to he has to be in there. A couple of other options we could have had on this left-hand side, but the one I've gone for is my second choice. I don't know if this is a bit of a left-field one, but it's a player that I, I think keep your eye on. I know he's played a lot for the under-21s. He's not got a cap for the senior side yet, but it's Dwight McNeil. Yeah, yeah, so I said he's yeah, the youngster here. Oh, yeah. really? Interesting, because yeah. I thought yeah, that I was think... one that you, you, you hadn't really considered, but um, it's, maybe he needs to work on his end product a little bit. Um, but Burnley do play much more of a 4-4-2. Um, mm-hmm than, you know, like Leicester do. 34 appearances, two goals this season. Um, he's got over 100 appearances, seven goals. So maybe he needs to work on, you know, you know, getting on, on the end of things and getting the goals. I'm not sure what his assist figure, figures look like, but I just think he, he's, a, he's a really exciting talent. I think he's 21. He's got, um, he's got that ability to get past the player. I think he's a natural left-sider as well. Um, so that's always always good to see a, a nice option to have came I think he was at United as a kid but I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe in a year or two we see him maybe not make a move straight to a United or a City or a Liverpool but maybe make a move to you know maybe an Everton or, or maybe a Tottenham or something like that yeah yeah I, I, I really like Dwight McNeil I can totally understand you saying if you know I, I'd expect a, a bigger team than Burnley to to come in for him um you said about his stat, his assist stats. Um, we're recording this just after the uh, Wolves Burnley game. Uh, Burnley won that four 0 and Dwight McNeil got two assists there. So does all right for himself, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've always liked him. He's, he's very direct. Um, like you say, Burnley playing a four four two, he probably is more suited to the formation that we are looking at here. But Barnes is definitely a more more talented player. But Dwight McNeil as a, as a squad player for me definitely 
it's, it's, a, it's a nice addition here and you know give, gives it another another layer for for, for formation things but like like the antonio thing like you know you, you've got variety you've got options to to move it around and fit different players into different systems so that that's always handy to have when you're maybe a, a playing against different teams or looking to change things to to get a goal back or something so yeah i'd, I'd happily put dwight mcneil as, as our backup here especially over the other left sider who i had that's really in consideration it's another shout out for southampton and it's nathan redmond yep again he's 27 now but i still think he's only like 22 he's just sort of perpetually the same age he has he has actually got a cap so fair enough he, he, he did have a little spell didn't he i think it was maybe maybe even when he was still at norwich i guess was um very highly thought of wasn't he but uh didn't really I mean, he's been okay for Southampton. I think he's, he's probably got that sort of Walcott effect at Southampton as well. Like you, you sort of know what to expect from him. Like it, he's, it, yeah, he's he's just consistent, but like not massively impressive. Um, Twenty-two appearances this season, two goals. Again, he is probably more of a left midfielder, I guess, rather than like a forward type, you know, wide forward. But um, yeah, that, that's he's he's like the third option here and. Um, I don't think it's really massively in consideration, I'll be honest. I mean, I did have a couple of other names and whether they're ones that you've considered more as a striker, but I don't I don't think that they... With the, with the other strikers we've got, I don't think that they're getting in the team, basically. So, I mean, <laughs> I do have the likes of Adamola Luckman, mm. maybe as an option. Been okay for Fulham. You know, that Fulham side, I almost think it's a bit of a shame if they do get relegated because I feel like they're almost settling into the Premier League now. I think he's only on loan there from, is it Leipzig? Um, I think so yeah, but um, he started off were, at um, Everton, didn't he? Yeah, they weren't. They're not a Super League team, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other one I had was one, another one at Palace. You mentioned obviously Townsend, um, Eze or Eberechi Eze. I don't know if I'm yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I've I've seen little bits of him, and he looks like he might be a talent, but I, I don't think you can judge him on what I've seen. I can judge him on what I've seen so far. I think he does play for the under twenty ones, but yeah, I, I think Barnes and McNeil. You know, Barnes has been, for me, one of the outstanding players in the Premier League this season, you know, for a very good Leicester side. And McNeil's, I think, kind of proven in the Premier League, isn't he? I think there's a few more steps you can go. But yeah, for me, the, the likes of Redmond and Luckman and Eze, didn't, they're not quite at the same level yet. Yeah, I think it's just Eze's first season in the Premier League, isn't it? I think he only came up uh, yeah, last they, summer. Is it from QPR or someone like that? Yeah, someone like that. So um, yeah, maybe a couple of years' time, I'll, I'll have seen more of him to really get a feel for him but yeah I mean from what I've seen he does look very talented but um, yeah compared to McNeil who has been in Premier League for a few years now it's yeah I, I can't really argue his case so yeah so into our forward line and considering that we have only got two forward options here we've yeah our, our sort of like if we're trying to play a front three, I think we've kind of mentioned everyone we've we've yeah. got an option. So who who are your nine and ten basically? <laughs> well, you know what? We had some good options here, I think. I have four players that I'd be very happy generally being involved, and even a couple outside of that. Um but I've gone for as my number nine, I have gone for Dominic Calvert Lewin. Uh, seven caps, four goals. Um only recently really broken into the of a sort of senior side after being in the under 21s quite a lot he does have 19 goals and 33 appearances this season for Everton started absolutely on fire 
it's quietened down a little bit now, but he does seem to have added goals to his game. And I think when we did our double barrel week, yeah. back many, many moons, maybe almost a year ago now, um, <laughs> we did put in Calvert-Lewin and we both talked about how we felt he'd, this was at the end of last season, we'd felt like he'd started to add goals mm. to what was already a very good all-round game. You know, he's he's great at holding the ball up, he's great at running the channels, he's, he's a good team player. And he's really gone on and proven that this season that he has started to add goals. Um, he's got 65 goals in 210 appearances uh, in his career, which, you know, for a young young player is a lot of a lot of games and a fair amount of goals as well. Um, he is sort of your traditional number nine, isn't he? he? He'll win your headers. He'll get on the end of things. He'll he'll score goals in the six yard box for you. He'll hold the ball up and he'll he'll run. You know, he's quite quick as well. He'll run the channels for you. Even sort of a few rumors recently that he might be an alternative to the likes of Kane or or Haaland for United. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, if I'm honest with you, I think he could definitely... I mean, it depends what his price tag would be, which I don't think would be cheap. But I, I think he could definitely do a job for you. Alongside him, I was a, I was having a bit of a... You know, I was, I was struggling to decide on one. But I have gone for kind of what I think is probably the safe option. And I've gone for Danny Ings. Ah, same. <laughs> Three caps, one goal for Danny Ings, which doesn't seem like that much. Um, but then I guess he's got Kane in front of him. 29 appearances, 11 goals this season for Southampton, who haven't been having the best season. Over 100, 100 goals in uh, 294 appearances in total in his career. He's obviously had a couple of serious injuries. But I put him in generally because whereas, you know, Calvert-Lewin and maybe a few of the others we'll talk about have just started to find their sort of feet when it comes to goal scoring in the Premier League. Ings seemingly has been doing it for years. I mean, when he's been fit. He's been scoring goals in the Premier League, um, pretty much. Uh, it seems I don't know when he joined Southampton, but it seems like for at least the last two, three seasons, he must have at least gotten into double figures for them. Yeah, uh, uh, again, a very good team player. He would probably be more my number 10, more the man running off, off Calvert-Lewin, but he can hold the ball up. He's got a nice t- burst of pace to get in behind. He can run the channels for you, very energetic. Um, yeah, for me, he was kind of like, although Calvert-Lewin scored more goals than him this season, uh, Ings, I felt, because he's been doing it year in, year out, I felt was sort of the safe bet in terms of if you need someone to score your goals, you probably bet Danny Ings is going to be one of the most likely to do it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is exactly my thinking as well. Like I said, the same partnership. Um, I guess it, it, it's almost that sort of like archetypal big man, little man, isn't it? Like Calvert-Lewin is your, your header winner and Danny Ings is your sort of run-off-the-target-man type of player. So it, for me, it was, it was sort of just the perfect little duo to put together and probably the most prolific in terms of goals this season at least compared to other players who have maybe had a few injuries <laughs> um yeah that's so yeah i think you, you sort of talked about them perfectly as, as much as i would um so I'll, I'll just look at who the sort of other other squad options are so the the main one for me is someone who i said does have quite a few injuries but when he's on his game when he is when he is fit is probably third um, in in sort of list here ahead of other, other players like it's someone I've, I've always really liked um, that's Callum Wilson he, interesting four caps for him one goal um, did get a call up right at the start of like his, his sort of spare in the Premier League didn't he and that was kind of like right at the point where he got that big first injury and was out for probably a whole season for Bournemouth it, it, was, a, it was a good long while but when he is on form for, for like New, Newcastle now um, but yeah, when he was with with Bournemouth and that sort of, you know, that that duo that they had, like they hit the assisting goal, like that that was the 
the, the little partnership, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it, it, it was just brilliant. Like, yeah, it, to get like double figures pretty much every season, you're playing for like a Bournemouth team who, for, for argument's sake, are like a, a League One team that just suddenly found themselves in the Premier League. It was, it was, it was just fantastic to see. And I think he's been... I mean, it's been very unfortunate, don't get me wrong, but I think he's been like, hard done by by not being included in England teams a little bit more. I think he's got an extra edge on what he can do. He's a lot more fast, he's a lot more direct than, say, like like Kane or, or you know, arguably Rashford, I guess. Um, different, different types of player. But, um, yeah, Wilson's one that I've always really liked. And this season in a Newcastle team, that is... I mean, I think they've just about maybe saved themselves a little bit, haven't they? But um, for most of the season, they have been pretty dire um he's still hit double figures he's got like one in two and it's just like well who's who's even creating these goals is he creating them himself but he's, he's getting them <laughs> same maximum probably <laughs> who again has been injured half the season so uh, <laughs> yeah so uh, wilson was probably the, the closest one just on my own personal preference but if we look at form then patrick bamford and ollie watkins should probably be in the squad based on who's having the best season and is actually staying fit. Watkins, I guess, is probably the closest one to that Wilson mould, isn't he? He's, he's very, very direct, very quick. Also from Devon. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's um, never played for Torquay, though, so he didn't get in our Torquay team, did he? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. He's, he's 25. He has played for England once, did score in his debut. But then so did David Nugent. Uh, <laughs> I think he's kind of like a one-in-two type type striker for, for Villa as well, which, yeah, they, they've not got a bad team, I think. Like Villa's main strength this year is, is their defence, isn't it? We've, we've spoken about it, but we, like we said, we could have had an entire back four of Villa um, since the defence we've mentioned, Grealish, and that's probably about it. So, like, uh, their attacking side, at least not from an England standpoint, not really much to go on there. But Watkins has, um, has been quite impressive for a player that I thought was maybe struggle in the Premier League, obviously coming up from uh, Brentford, wasn't it, in the, in the Championship? Yeah. So, it is a, it's a bit of a tricky thing. I mean, Ben Rama came up uh, from Brentford, went to West Ham, and has kind of sort of got lost in the mix there. I mean, like you said, Lingard is, is more in, in in the team than he is. So yeah, like it, I've, I've been I've been impressed with Watkins, um, but it's probably like an experience thing and um, sort of maybe, maybe consistency thing at the highest level. I, I, I did pick Wilson over him just just on on that, but yeah, Watkins has been good. Bamford maybe. Maybe not necessarily less so, but he's, he's a different type of, of, of striker, isn't he? He's 27 now, um, no full caps, but again, being one and two for a lead side, which conversely to Aston Villa is like all out attack. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know whether you could maybe swap, switch him for a different striker and he'd probably do the same amount of, of goals, but yeah, Bamford's been all right. He's, he's had a bit of a, a weird career, very up and down, probably more down than up, but. It's just kind of in that Leeds team, just at the right time, just at the the time where they're playing football that really suits his style of play, and he's he's profiting from it. And like, fair enough if he does get an England call up, it's it it, it is due. But yeah, I, I, it's yeah, I, I think Watkins and Wilson are, uh, maybe uh, I don't know, maybe just the sort of the, the type of player that I, I like a bit more than Bamford. But I'll give Bamford his dues; he's he's done very well this season when. Most people didn't expect him to. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go for Wilson just because of injuries. I didn't actually realise that his record this season was 
sort of around one and two. Um, I know, I know that he's. I, I think a lot of Newcastle's struggles have probably come from the fact that him and Sir Maximan have been injured so much this season. I, I went for Watkins and Bamford kind of because they almost <laughs> mirrored my. You know, Bamford is maybe a bit more of a target man. Um, holds the ball up a bit similar to Calvert Lewin. Ba- Ollie Watkins maybe a bit more of a sort of little man alongside him. I think the thing I would say about Watkins is. I felt at the end of last season what Villa really needed. Villa were very good defensively last season, but what they really needed was someone to get the goals. Yeah. Um, they had was it uh, who was the stri- Wesley was it? Wesley and um, Samata. <laughs> yeah, and I think Wesley did all right, but then got injured, and they were sort of really struggling to find that sort of focal point for their attacks. Mm-hmm. And really, Watkins seems like he's done that. I mean, he's got 14 goals for them this season, which is. You know, very good for a player in his first season in the top flight. Bamford as well, you know, like you said, it's been a bit up and down. You know, he's really sort of had proven himself more in the championship. And has finally seemed to manage to get a real run in the Premier League. So I kind of went for those two on form. But I'd be I'd be all right with putting in Wilson instead of one of those, I guess. I, I'd, I'd hate to leave Watkins out because he was one that I felt really... I, I feel like he's had a really good season. Probably, even though I think it's... Uh, goals per game is not quite what Bamford's is. I don't know. I just I think Watkins is definitely one to watch for next season. The only other name I had as a sort of mention, and um, this might be a little bit of United bias, but I did put I did throw Danny Welbeck in 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 consideration. Now you might laugh, but he's not a natural goal scorer, Danny Welbeck. But he does a lot of other good things for you. He um, always does well for England, though. Doesn't yeah, he? and, and really... <laughs> he has far more appearances for England than all of these players put together. He's quick. He's strong. He's direct. Um, he, he can do a job for you on the wings as well. Um, hard working for the team. He's just a, in front of goal. Bless him. He's a bit clumsy. Um, <laughs> is the best way to put it. Um, I was going to say that it probably is the best word to describe that when I'm against it. <laughs> even even his goals that he does score, maybe, I seem to he always falls over when bit, he scores them. Maybe just a bit unlucky. Um, <laughs> like it always seems to like bobble just before it gets to him or whatever. Or um, I, I wanted to throw his name in because. He's been all right for Brighton. I mean, he, I, I said earlier, Brighton have struggled to score goals. And he's obviously one of their strikers, so that doesn't reflect well on him. But um, I do think if if you're looking at the squad game for a tournament... Now, I wouldn't put him in ahead of Watkins or Bamford or even Wilson. But I do think there would be... If he was in there, I think you'd go, oh, OK, I can kind of see why. Um, yeah. Well, he's, but- he's, never, he's never been, like, your goal scorer, has he? Like, when he was at United, he was always a bit more, like playing off someone else when he was at Arsenal he was in a team where he had like much better strikers and yeah I mean you kind of you have him at Brighton now I mean we've said this about Brighton before haven't we in multiple different episodes like they're they're just a team of just attacking midfielders (laughs) like they've got like yeah your handbacks and Trossard and Lalana, Lalana, and Iskierdo. Like it, it's just, it's, there's, there's no out and out striker. I mean, you had Glenn Murray, but he was like almost forty, and he's down the championship on loan now. So, who's getting your goals? You haven't got anyone to rely on, have you? So they, they might get maybe three or four each, but there's no one who's going to get you ten. So, like that, that, that's why that's why Brighton struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that you wouldn't have Welbeck in this squad as that type of player. No, but Eddie, he, as a yeah. squad, you wouldn't have him as someone who would be in your starting level. No. But as a squad player, he could potentially be someone who 
in a tournament could do a role for you. But I, I wouldn't. I just wanted to mention him. I mean, did you have any other names you wanted to throw into the hat? Um, I guess the end of one is to, just to finish off the sort of Burnley collection is, is Ashley Barnes. Uh, again, he's, he's a good player to have as like in your squad. He, he, he gives you an extra way of playing. But he, again, he's not he's not your goal scorer, is he? So I, I'd, I'd much have rather an injured Wilson in <laughs> than Barnes. I'm not, I'm not like putting Barnes down. I think he did actually get into our, our Torquay 11, didn't he? Mm. Um, he he's, he's done all right in the Premier League. I mean, we spoke about his, his partner, Chris Wood, in, in our last episode, didn't we? The, the, the two of them together has, has worked quite well. But um, yeah, I, think the I, thing I, maybe I can't going, argue his case here, basically. I think the thing maybe going a bit against Barnes is the fact that you have someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin who does a similar role and more. Yes, yeah. Um, so, you know, you'd probably have... Cal- well, you'd definitely have Calvert-Lewin over here. Yeah, <laughs> or Bamford. Or yeah. Bamford. Yeah. So, looking at our team then, I mean, I think probably the only... was the only area where we didn't really agree on the first team, the centre of midfield. It was, yeah. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to go with yours of Ward, Prowls and Madison. So, our first 11 would look like this. In goal, we'd have Nick Pope. A back four of James Justin, Keane, uh, Mings and Creswell. Uh, midfield of Grealish on the right, Ward Prowls and Madison in the middle, with Harvey Barnes on the left, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Danny Ings up front. Now our second eleven, I think there are maybe a few more points. So did we both settle on Pickford as sort of the substitute goalkeeper? I'd happily have Pickford as my number two. I mean, if, if we're going on the squad... You need three goalkeepers for a squad, so Johnson's probably in anyway. Okay, but so Pick, Pickford is definitely my sort of second choice to, to Pope. Like Johnson's the the injury cover. <laughs> so Pickford and Johnson as as the third choice. Back four, Walker Peters I think as the second choice right back. You went, didn't you go for Tarkovsky and Godfrey, whereas I went for Konza and Gof- Godfrey. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm happy to to drop Tarkovsky for for Konza. Like like we said, having two defenders from two teams like it, it four, four of them from two teams like there's there's partnerships there that could work if we needed to switch it around isn't there so mm. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to put comms in he, he has impressed me alongside Ming so uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the two work together <laughs> okay so Konza and Godfrey Do, were we going as Ryan Bertrand as our second choice left back if you're happy for Bertrand yeah 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 um, and then into midfield I'm um, on the right-hand side. We've got Antonio. I think we both agreed on that. Yes, yeah. Um, centre midfield, we've got Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips because there weren't a lot of other options. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, I do rate both of those. Um, yeah. And on the left, we both agreed on Dwight McNeil, which I didn't really see coming. Yeah, no, I, I like him. He's 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 doing well. I, I hope he ends up at a team that um, he's not having to fight relegation with every year. Yeah, a coffee United. <laughs> um, and then. Up front, are we are we leaving out Watkins for Wilson? Do you think and going for Bamford and Wilson? I think you have to have one of Wilson and you have to have Bamford. You can't have yes, Wilson yeah. and Watkins. So, do we go for Wilson and Bamford? I think so. I mean, considering this was Euro twenty twenty, it's just been delayed a year for obvious reasons. I don't think Watkins would have been in consideration, would he, last year? No. But neither Bam- Bam- Bamford, but no, but like, but Wilson would have been, and Wilson is arguably in consideration this year as well for consistency's sake, playing at the top level. I mean, we we spoke about it throughout the team, like we picked certain players because of experience. I think you have mm. to pick Wilson because of experience over Watkins and hope that he stays fit. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, there's a, a potential with uh, Danny Ings in there as well. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> but you do have a couple, you know, you could play Antonio up top, couldn't you? You could play even Grealish or Madison as number yeah, 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you definitely have options there. How do you feel about that team? If if the ESL clubs were banned, and I mean, I don't think that's going to happen now because they've all withdrawn, but how would you, we're going into a tournament with that with that sort of squad, how would you feel about it? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not overly confident, but it does interest me and kind of excite me to see how they'd get on. There's a lot of players there that I really like and I think are really underrated and underutilised for England. So it'd be good to see them getting the chance to be starters and to work together like Grealish and Madison as a duo works like they're both players that I really like watching and are both players who unfortunately could miss out for the likes of Mount and Foden couldn't they mm. so I mean, I'd not like to see Grealish miss out don't get me wrong but if he doesn't start for England it's not for a lack of quality <laughs> but yeah it's an exciting team but I guess the, the, the point is also that like how sort of bad it would be to ban the top six clubs players from playing in international tournaments. Yeah. Because, I mean... It's not the players' fault. (laughs) It's not the players' fault. And there's a hell of a lot of good players that we have not spoken about here um, in consideration for actually including. I mean, you're missing out Kane. I mean, it's it's our own personal thing to not put Sancho in here. So I'm not going to say we've missed out on him. Like, he would easily be in this team if we didn't put our own Premier League-only sort of um, proviso on this. But... Yeah, yeah, like you say, yeah, Foden, Mount, Rashford, uh, Greenwood would be a fantastic option to bring off the bench. Your, your defence, you know, you've got Maguire, you've got Stones, um, Walker, Trippier, there's so many players that, like, there's a reason that most of the players that we've spoken for about here have under 10 caps. Yeah. It's because they are below a lot of very good players. They're not bad players themselves, but England at the moment has such a, a range of quality and a range of good players it's just a shame for what we've tried to do here that they do play for the big clubs and um the threat the threat was genuinely there i guess if if, if they didn't pull out like I, I wouldn't sort of try and call fifa's bluff on that <laughs> do you think there's a counter argument to that though that there is preferent preferential treatment from england managers on clubs players playing for a big set for big sets like, I'd say so, yeah. Why yeah. would a player playing for Arsenal or Tottenham be called up ahead of a player playing for Leicester or Everton or West Ham at the moment? You know, we've seen it quite a lot over the years, haven't we? A player's playing well for Southampton or whoever and he gets a move to Liverpool and suddenly he gets a call up to, to England. I'm, I'm with you. There's so many top... I mean, you know, you're talking about Harry Kane, you're talking about Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, you know, Phil Foden, who I think is, you know, I hate to say it, but what a player he's going to be you know and you know the likes of Maguire and Alexander-Arnold as well you're missing out on a lot of great players and I would be less confident going into this tournament with this team but I think almost like it might take some expectation away and I think this team could deliver for you when you've got players like Grealish and players like Madison and Barnes and Calvert-Lewin it's maybe a bit of an inexperienced team is the one thing I'd say but you know, there's some very good players in here and I don't really see any point of the side and go, that's a weak spot. I mean, that, that was always the benefit of England in the, the last World Cup, wasn't it? That it, it wasn't the team of, of superstars that we normally take to a tournament and get overhyped for and end up being 
Terrible. you know, knocked out in the, the quarterfinals every single year. Like it, 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 we had like Dyer started most of the games, and it, like we got to the semi-finals with 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 Dyer. There, there wasn't the expectation there, and we actually I think we probably over, overperformed. I mean, I'm not saying we had a difficult run to get to semis, but you still got to beat the teams ahead of you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I think you know if England did go with this eleven or with this squad. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be complete. There's no players on here that I would be really shocked if they got picked. You know. I mean, when when you think about it, like you, you're going to have your France and your Italy and your Spain, also, would also lose out on a few Ooh. players if, yeah. like you know, for banning ESL players, like no one from Barcelona is going to be it, no one from Juve is going to be it, no one from Real Madrid is going to be in it. Mm. It probably equals the playing playing field a lot more. It's not just us. It's not just England. Apart that would from be, maybe Germany. Like, we, Bayern weren't in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Germany would walk to the title, don't get me wrong, but they might beat England in the final. So. <laughs> okay, well, now that we've done with that team, let's put the idea of the ESL behind us where hopefully it will stay. Yes. Um, next week, or next episode, I should say. We were going to start looking at doing a World Cup, weren't we? Yes. Because our Euros With, was uh, a big success. Yeah, it was a big success. Much, much hype and, and love for, for the Euros. So how did we... Uh, we, have, we have selected the teams that are going to compete. How did we go about this? <laughs> well, we've, we've done a lot of, of nationalities uh, episodes up until this point we've got a load left don't get me wrong there's like a Caribbean 11 that I'm quite interested in doing or a Czechoslovakian joint uh, one that would like fit in nicely with the USSR and Yugoslavia that we've done before uh, but ultimately the ones that we've got left aren't going to have the strongest 11s a lot of the ones we have done haven't had the strongest 11s no. not say in Asia but I'm saying Asia so what we've done is kind of judged them on merit um, and looked at who is probably the strongest overall teams and also tried to get a little bit of a, a, a world feel to a World Cup because we also don't want it to just be eight European teams again. I'm not saying it would have been, but we don't want that. So we ultimately went, who was the best in our Euros? And that was France and Netherlands. Those were That was our final. So yep. those two had to be in. We also went, who in our Euros was a little bit unlucky with the draw and if they didn't play France in the first round might have also got to the final and that was Spain yeah. so we put Spain in because I think I mean it was it was Wales and Portugal was, was our other semi-finalists and I think Spain ultimately has had better players in the Premier League um, than both those teams I think if we put Spain against both of those Spain would win yeah. Spain against France was a little bit unfortunate and then we went okay maybe a fourth European team because we've got a lot of other European ones that we've looked at and have actually been quite impressed with um, so our, our sort of European what was very lucky losers who we didn't get into our, our European eight was uh, was Belgium I think yeah. ultimately their starting 11 is I mean it's very current don't get me wrong but it, it, it's very definitely strong definitely stronger than say Italy or Sweden or Norway, who we have done, who were a very good European side, who have had a lot of Premier League representation, but didn't get into our Euros. We thought of those, Belgium are probably the best. So we thought, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll give Belgium um, a sort of a wild card entry, uh, see how they do. And then it was kind of like look at the rest of the world and the big, big two individual nations for 
you know, what we looked at and when we did the teams and looked through them and uh, were ridiculously impressed by was the, the two big South American ones. So Brazil and Argentina yep. are in this World Cup alongside uh, two sort of collaborative teams, I guess. Um, they're ones where we've had a lot of players from a lot of different nations from the same area of the world. Um, so we've put in our African team, which was absolutely swamped full of talent and there were so many players that we really disappointed that we couldn't include but when it came to Africa and we only had like two goalkeepers and an option we yeah. couldn't have really split it down much else so we, we had to do the entire continent um so our African team is going to be in here and our last one is rest of South America which we thought was a very good team full of some very good Uruguayans and a couple of Chile- Chileans as well um and we- the right force to just like a strike force to envy really wasn't it yes yeah i mean we we, we had like a i mean what, did we was it yeah, we didn't yeah. Even, yes yeah and it's just like yeah it's such a, a brilliant striking option there and actually was was very solid across the entire team um a lot more solid than again asia north america um australasia which we just did uh, you know there's there yeah, a lot of other sort of nationalities and, and maybe joint, we joint do ones a, we've done. They're, they're maybe so much we better. Maybe we can do a, a B-team World Cup at some point where we put in the, the lesser-known team. Or the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like but a, we decide. A, a World Europa League. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that's our eight teams, and we're going to draw them into a, a quarter-final and do the same sort of format that we did with the Euro. So we'll have two episodes, I assume, because they do take a little while to... Yeah. To record, so we do a quarterfinals in one, and then our semi-finals and final in the following episode to uh, crown our when I met a time world champions. So yeah, have we uh, have we got the the balls in the pot all numbered and ready? Have, we do have the balls in the pot. Um, <laughs> you can't hear them, but they are there. Um, so I will draw a draw a ball out, read the number, and you will tell us which teams we have got. So I'll I'll get right started. So here we go. Okay. Um, so up first is number eight. Number eight, and that is Argentina. So Argentina will play number one. Number one, and it's a local derby because they are playing the rest of South America. Interesting. That will be that will be a very tight one, I would imagine. Um, so our next game will be between number three. Number three, and that is our wild card, Belgium. Interesting. Against number number six. <laughs> Number six, and that is our champions, was it? Netherlands. Netherlands, okay. Was it, was it Netherlands who won? I can't even remember they won our year. I think it was. It was, was. Yeah, I think it was, because I, I feel like I betrayed Eric Cantona and I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it might be interesting if, if that comes up again. <laughs> okay, so our third, so that was, sorry, that was um, Belgium versus Netherlands. Another, another local derby, look at that, we're, we're drawing these quite well. Okay. And then up next will be number five. Number five, and that is Brazil. Maybe a, a not the strongest team for this Brazil, we noticed. No, um, yeah, we, we said none, none of their sort of like big stars made it to the Premier League, but it wasn't a, a bad team, was it? It wasn't a bad team, no, no, definitely not. And they will be up against number four. <laughs> and that is Africa. <laughs> hey, they might be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> And then our final, uh, <laughs> our final game, which we already know who will be, but shall I just go through? Yes. I can't remember which numbers I've drawn. So which... 
pick out the last two. <laughs> so it will be it'll be France versus Spain. Yes, France the... versus Spain in the quarterfinals again. again. I wonder who's going to win that. <laughs> well, we will update. So it was like over a year ago. That... Well, no, it was around a year ago that we started doing this. Yes, yeah. And um, obviously there may have, you know, France was our first team. So there may be changes to those teams now. So if there is a particular player who's made a, a breakthrough this season, maybe they will get in instead and maybe that will change things. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to recap that, our quarterfinals will be Argentina versus the rest of South America, Belgium versus Netherlands, Brazil versus Africa, and France versus Spain. So the European sides are essentially going up against each other. Um, Which is good because we didn't want it to just be the same like yeah. final. I mean, it could still be, but yeah. It's... <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, we won't just spend all the time talking about European teams that we've already done, which is good. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've covered those enough. We'll just um, we'll try and keep it short and sweet for those. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I hope everyone's looking forward to that. I do enjoy these little tournaments that we do. And it'll be nice knowing that after we've done this, there will actually be a tournament. Not the World Cup, but the Euros coming up. So unlike last year where we were all just despairing when we were ever going to be able to watch football again. So I hope everyone's looking forward to that. And thank you very much for listening to our, uh, what did we call it? Our Sand Super 6? Yes. 11. <laughs> hopefully this will never be a reality. You know, hopefully the Glazers have learned their lesson, can go back in their box. And hey, you know, maybe maybe they can sell Man United and, and you know, bugger off. But um, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Um, thanks very much for listening and um, we will see you soon. Thanks for listening and uh, let's get ready for the World Cup. <laughs>